Hey there, church family. Thank you again for joining us this morning as we are uh, concluding our sermon series today on spiritual disciplines, habits of the faith. Thank you for that time of worship, worship team. And, and, and church, I want to invite you right now. This is a time where if we were normally gathered, we would collect our tithes and offerings. And I just want to bring that to your attention. You can go to homesavenue.com forward slash give and give as the Lord has led you to do so. You don't have to do that right now. You can do that at any time. Uh, throughout the service, at the end of the service, throughout the week, whenever you want. But I wanted to bring that to your attention. As I mentioned, uh, we are in the concluding sermon of the Spiritual Disciplines series. And I hope this sermon series has been a, a great uh, treat for you with understanding the disciplines of the faith for followers of Jesus Christ. The, the reason why we want to do this, especially at this time, uh, with everything that's been going on with the pandemic and us not being able to gather together corporately, is so that you have the opportunity to see the ways in which you need to be disciplined for the Christian life. Um, there's been several different times that you've heard me uh, throughout this series mention 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses seven, uh, verse 7, where it says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. This has kind of been that overarching theme throughout this series for us, to train ourselves for godliness, to, to learn how to study the Bible, to learn how to pray, to learn how to worship, how to do evangelism, and here today, how to do fasting. And there are several other spiritual disciplines, but these are the five that we wanted to, to bring to your attention to be preaching on through this series. And throughout this series, you've heard me re reference the name of Dr. Donald S. Whitney. And he writes this book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And that book is a wonderful reference. And, and it's helped me and, and both Michael and Walter both also have that book. And it's a great resource. And I want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity uh, to get that book, if you need us to provide you some copies, we will gladly do that for you. But this is a, a way to take what you've heard from us through these sermons and to dive deeper into these disciplines. And I encourage you to do that. It's a wonderful resource. Well, today we're looking at this topic of fasting. And when it comes to fasting, it's, it's one of these topics that's really a kind of a misunderstood discipline of the Christian life. I mentioned to you a moment ago Donald S. Whitney, and, and he defines fasting as this. Believers voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Believers voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Now, there are several different types of fastings that we could talk about, but for today, I want us to focus specifically on that definition, on fasting from food, not from water, because we know that we can go a good period of time without food, and going without water for a couple of days is not a good thing for our bodies. We need the water to be able to make it through and to not be dehydrated, but we're going to focus on that fasting away from food for spiritual purposes. And for today, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Now, for those of you that heard the sermon that I preached several weeks ago on prayer, we are in the same passage. We're coming right up after Jesus finishes talking about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, and he then focuses here on fasting in Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. There's going to be a couple of different things that you're going to see if you remember or you took notes from that sermon series. It looks like the points are the exact same that they were from the prayer. Well, that is for a specific reason, because Jesus is laying out of what he says about fasting. He does in the same way that he did with prayer. And so I wanted to make it easy for you to remember and easy to jot down for notes. So if you are following along and I pray that you are, you can open your Bibles to Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And let's stand together to honor the reading of God's word. Matthew 6, verse 16 says, 
And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen by others, uh, may not be seen by others, excuse me, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for the time of worship that we've had, proclaiming your name in song. Father, I pray now, Lord, as we transition to this time, continuing in worship through giving, yes, but most importantly right now through the studying of your word, God, that you would be magnified, Lord, that you would be glorified in this place. Lord, that that the overflow of of my heart would, would just proclaim the good news of Christ in this topic of fasting. Father, I pray, Lord, for those that are listening, Lord, they maybe are, are concerned or they, they really have just not really been able to understand this topic of fasting. I pray that through something I say today, through something that you say through me, God, that, that, that you would motivate them, Lord, and challenge them, uh, Lord, to go about and, and to attempt fasting if they never have before. Father, I pray that, that Satan and his demons be bound for here. They have no authority, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just speak in such a powerful way today. Lord, teach us something that we do not know. Lord, make all the distractions be minimized, and God, may you get the glory here in this place. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here we're going to see in these three verses, it is only three verses, and just like Walter said to you last week, I'm long-winded myself, so you're not going to get out early, but I'm only going to give you two points. I'm going to give you two points directly associated with the scripture that you're going to see today, and then I've got two application points for us to look at. And so in this passage, we see that all believers are called to fast and to do so with the right motives, sincerity, and for a purpose. And so for the first point, I want to bring to your attention to fast with the right motives. Fast with the right motives. Look again at verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, much like Jesus does uh, in the section on prayer that's right before these verses that we're reading today, just in that same passage, Jesus opens up with the topic of fasting by saying, when you fast. He says it there right at the beginning of 16, when you fast, do not look gloomy. And it's this direct notation of a follower of Christ being expected to fast. As obedient followers of Jesus Christ, we must follow the example by which Jesus shows us. And in just a few moments, at the conclusion of the sermon, I'm going to give you an example of how Jesus has done this that is laid out for us in Scripture. He says, when you fast, and we understand the expectation uh, is to follow his teachings and to do what he tells us to do when it comes to fasting. Now, it is worth noting that in this biblical time, uh, the Pharisees, they fasted about twice a week. Most scholars believe that it was typically on a Monday and a Thursday, and they would take this time for their fast. And it was also the time where once a year people would go to fast on the Day of Atonement. Now, we see something very specific when it comes to fasting. And Jesus' disciples at the time of Jesus being on the earth, when it reads in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. 
You know, it wasn't necessarily for the disciples there in that moment because Jesus was there before them. He walked with them. He taught them over the time period of his ministry. But it says, when the bridegroom is taken away, they will fast. This is a reference to the disciples that when Jesus is gone and he is ascended back into heaven, that is the time. The bridegroom, Christ, he is not there with them anymore. So since he has ascended into heaven, they now must fast to seek him for these spiritual purposes because he's not right there amongst them. But that also includes us, church. That also includes us because the bridegroom is not physically here with us. Now, he has promised us, just as he says in the Great Commission, that he is with us always. We have the Holy Spirit that indwells us. Praise God for that. But the bridegroom is not physically here with us. So we come before the Lord and we fast to him, bringing our requests and for certain purposes that I will cover in just a few moments. Now, it also says in verse 16, where it says, Do not fast, but look gloomy like hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Jesus is pretty direct, isn't he? He calls them hypocrites, these people that do this to their bodies to make them look gloomy. Why does he say this? He's expressing the need to fast for the right motives. Because there were those who would not wash their faces and would present themselves as being physically different or malnourished for the sake of people being able to see them. They did it for the wrong motives. They didn't do it to seek Christ or to seek God. They didn't do it. Jesus is saying there are those that are going to do something like this, but, but don't be like them. They are hypocrites. A, a fast is something that is to be done in secret, as we'll see in a moment as he continues in the passage. This is not to be done for show. If you remember from the prayer sermon a couple weeks ago, when Jesus is talking about prayer, he's saying to not be loud and, and continually doing these public prayers, saying these big words and phrases over and over and over again, because it's like the hypocrites. Jesus points to the fact in the model prayer to go and get alone, away from everything, to focus on that time with God, to come before him and pray. He's, he's using that same imagery to focus us on fasting. To do so in secret, to come before God the Father and, 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 and put away things, food in this instance, put a pause on that so that we can come before him and bring our needs to him and seek his counsel on things. You see, Jesus is representing the fact that this is a heart problem. And just like he said with prayer, uh, that you can't do these things that, to do things for your own good reason or, or to get the applause of man. You can't do it for those purposes. You have to do it to, for godliness, to seek God. It says there also, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, anytime you see in Scripture, first and foremost, that Jesus says, Truly I say to you, you need to just push pause and, and make sure you're paying attention to what he's saying. I would encourage you as you're studying the Word of God and you're going through the Gospels and you hear or you read Jesus say the words, Truly I say to you, you need to really focus in on what he's saying because he's trying to get it very clear. This is important. Jesus is saying here, they have received their reward. And you might say, well, Brian, what is their reward? What, what is it that Jesus is referencing here? He says it all throughout chapter 6. He says it there at the beginning and throughout. He indicates here that the applause and praise of man, for those that are the hypocrites that are doing this just to do it to, to, so that people can see that they look malnourished and that they've gone through this or they're boasting about what they've done, they're going to get that applause and that congratulations or that attaboy from man. But Jesus is saying that's the only reward they're going to get. 
They're not going to get that reward from God the Father that you get in secret, as we'll see in just a moment. It's very important to note that. And I love how Craig Blomberg, in his uh, commentary from the New American Commentary series, he says this. He's quoting Alfred Plummer when he says this. The light of a Christian character will shine before men and win glory for God without the artificial aid of public advertisement. Think about that. What we are doing for God in our Christian character, what we do in secret, when we don't go around boasting about what we've done, we do this in secret for the purpose of worshiping God and coming before the Lord. It's just us and Him. When we do these things, what we are doing in that regard, we don't need to have public advertisement of it. Because our character, the light of that character is going to shine before men. And it's going to speak volumes to those that are watching around us. So we fast with the right motives. The second thing we fast with is sincerity. Fast with sincerity. Verses 17 through 18 read, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, specifically there at 17, he says it again, when you fast, when you fast, thus showing again that expectation. If you remember back again from the prayer passage that we looked at, he does it a second time there as well. So see, we have these similarities of Jesus's teaching. So Jesus is saying here, when you fast, and he says there, anoint your head and wash your face. You see, anointing with oil was a common practice for cosmetic purposes at that time. And Jesus is telling the followers to wash their face again. They do not come across looking as if they are out to make themselves look dirty and malnourished, just like the hypocrites. Jesus is saying there's no point in doing that because you look like a hypocrite when you do that. Don't do that. Keep your face clean. Anoint yourself with oil. These things you must do. Don't do the things that make it look like you've been going out of your way to get the praise, the praise of man. Now, this does not mean that there not, will not be times uh, of malnourishing or even some suffering, if you will, while we fast. Nor does this mean that we have to appear like we have it all together. Because we are all sinners and we all know that we do not have it all together. But here's the thing we've got to make sure we understand. Yes, there's going to be times where there's pain. There are days and times where you may not fast for a, a small period of time. You may fast for three days on end, like, like Esther called for the nation to do during that time. There are different examples that we see in Scripture. Jesus, for example, that we're going to see at the end of the sermon today, he fasts for 40 days. There are times when that's going to happen, and you're going to have the hunger pains, and you're going to feel malnourished. You're going to feel the pain and the suffering that comes with it. But it's for the purpose of spiritual matters. That is the whole purpose of the fast. It is designed for these spiritual purposes to grow in that time with God and to put our complete reliance on Him to sustain us. That is so very important, church. We have to remember that. We don't do things for our own goodwill. We don't do our own thing. We don't do things so that, so that we can build ourselves up. We do it all for God's glory. And in those moments where we're feeling that pain and that anguish and that suffering, we remember that he is there with us and that he sustains us and he gets us through. It's the beauty of what happens when we fast. Now, he says that about anointing their head and washing their face. And then again in 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who's in, who sees in secret will reward you. 
It's beautiful. Is that not good news, church family? He, he's doing the same thing he did again with prayer. He's telling them to go in and get away from the distractions. Come before your Father in secret, in your prayer closet. Go before the Lord in prayer. Bring these requests to him. Lift up this model prayer to him. Acknowledge him for who he is. Glorify him. Holy is your name, Father. And then we bring our requests to him as we discussed in that sermon. What we see here in this passage with the fasting, he says to do so in secret. And our Father who's in secret will reward us. This is something designed for our complete and utter dependence upon the Lord. And he desires that from us. He wants to reward us. When we are being obedient and faithful, we come before him in this regard. We trust him with these things. We trust that although I have these hunger pains and I really would like to eat, but Lord, I'm fasting because I'm coming before you for the work that you've called me to, for what you're doing in your church, what you're doing in the people's lives and around me that desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that I will continue to pray every single time over and over again because I know that you will sustain me. My utter dependence is upon you. And it's the beauty of it because we have that intimacy with him. And praise God for that. You know, church, I'm reminded as, as I was going through and preparing this message, thinking about this and the utter dependence that we have on him, the beauty of all of that. And the one passage of scripture that God continued to bring to me was Romans 5.8. When we read that scripture, we see that, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. Christ Jesus, as he's on the cross, bearing the weight of our sin and the wrath of God is being poured out on him. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew so many years ago, we weren't even thought of yet. Generation after generation after generation would come and go before you and I would even step foot on this earth from our mother's womb. Yet Jesus knew that he would be bearing our weight of our sin. And God's wrath poured out on him in that moment for us. Because although we were still sinners, he willingly went and died for us. And I'm so thankful for that because of him doing that, we have the intimacy. Because for those of us that know Christ, we have repented of our sins. And we have confessed Christ Jesus as Lord. And we believe that God has raised him from the dead. We know that the story of Easter is true every single day. We celebrate the resurrection. Because Jesus has defeated the grave. And because of that defeat, he makes the way between man and God right again, the way it was originally designed. So that anyone who confesses him and repents of those sins would be saved. The beautiful intimacy that we have from that. So Jesus lays this all out for us. He tells us again to, to fast with the right motives. Don't go around doing things to make yourself look like the hypocrites. Don't make yourself look like you're malnourished and that you're dirty and that you have all of this going on and, and you're, just, you're, you're just so uh, so profound to be able to be in front of people to say, hey, look at me, look what I've done. Don't do that. Jesus is also saying to fast with the sincere sincerity, the sincere motives, if you will, tying in the two points together. We have to do this because our Father is in secret and we come before him and we bring these requests to him. Now, after seeing those two points about those three verses of Scripture, there's a couple of applicable points that I want to bring to your attention. The first thing, application one, fasting with purpose. Fasting with purpose. We've seen this explanation from Jesus of how we're to fast. So now let's look at some of these purposes. Much of what I'm giving you right here comes from that book that I referenced at the beginning of the sermon from Dr. Donald Whitney. 
It's so beautiful what he does. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, church. There are many other things that we could probably fill in the blank for here. But he gives a pretty good list here, and I just want to highlight these for a moment to encourage you with this before we talk about the fasting itself, how we are to do that. So one of the first reasons, the fasting with purpose, is to strengthen prayer. To strengthen prayer. We come before God the Father. We fast. We put aside our food. We drink our water, yes. Continue to drink the water so you stay uh, nourished and, and you have it and you're not uh, running into the issue of, of, of not having the water in your system and being dehydrated. But we come before the Lord putting aside the things of the food. So we come before him to strengthen that time of prayer. It puts that utter dependence upon him. To seek God's guidance. We come before the Lord and we fast to seek God's guidance. I, I know that I have. I know Walter and Michael have both done it as well. Your leadership members have done that. We come before the Lord and we fast before him about guidance. God, what is it that you're directing us to do? We fast to express grief. We are grieving over things. and We express that to God the Father and we do so in fasting. We fast before the Lord to seek deliverance or protection. Lord, deliver me from these things. Lord, protect me. Protect my family from the effects of whatever it is. You fill in the blank. The attacks of the enemy. Physical things here on the earth. We humble oneself before God. You think about that in the context of fasting. Every time that we have the opportunity to come before the Lord, it should humble us. Because of what he has done for us. The way has been made right because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Because of his finished work at Calvary and his resurrection from the grave, we are saved. It should humble us to be able to come before the Lord. We don't even deserve to have that opportunity to humble ourselves before God. We fast also for the purpose to express concern for the work of God. Church, I would encourage you. All of these are great examples, and I encourage you to, to fast for these different purposes. But here is one that I think we all should be doing when we fast. We should all be fasting to express concern for the work of God. You have heard Walter and I say it repeatedly, almost every week it seems now. But we're going to keep saying it until everybody starts to repeat it. We exist for the purpose that every man, woman, and child within our circle of accountability has repeated multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why Holmes Avenue Baptist Church functions. That is why when we're able to gather again, the doors are open. That is why as you are out and about where you live, work, and play every single day, we continually tell you that you are on mission. It is because it is the work of God, the work that he has called us to. The work that our brother and sister congregations that surrounds us in this community and in throughout our city and the greater other areas of Charleston. We pray for them. We fast on their behalf that God would use them because we are all part of the kingdom and we are all doing a work for God, for his glory, so that people would come into the kingdom to profess Christ because we present the gospel to them through our actions, through our words. We fast for the purpose to minister to the needs of others. We fast for that. We seek God's counsel on how we can do that. We fast to overcome temptation and dedicate yourself to God. That's a big one, folks. Every single one of us battles temptation. Every single one of us battles the attacks of the enemy. 
Every single one of us needs to be fasting to dedicate ourselves to God every single day. We have been saved. We are justified. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Thank you, God, that we have been saved. But every single day, you and I are still sinners that have been saved by God's grace and his mercy. And every single day is a new day. And every single day, we are still going to sin. But thank God for that grace and mercy. And the fact that we can wake up every day and say, Lord, I come before you. And I ask, Father, that you help me to continually stay clear of temptation as we see laid out for us in the model prayer. And Lord, I dedicate myself to you today. We're going to see this example of Jesus here in a moment. And the last one that we can say, and again, not an exhaustive list, but to express love and worship to God. Pastor Walter talked about this two weeks ago when he talked about the spiritual discipline of worship. It's an opportunity for us to express this love, to express our worship to God, to cry out. We come before our Heavenly Father and we say, hallowed be your name. We honor him and we glorify him for who he is, sovereign God over this world that could have wiped us out immediately, yet he loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us. So those are some, some opportunities for us to see an application of how it is that we fast with a purpose. The second thing, application number two, is how to fast. For some of you, you may be saying, well, well Brian, I, I really appreciate what you're saying, and, and I see that Jesus says it, but I, for health reasons, I physically cannot fast from food. And I know that you may have issues with, with blood pressure, you may have issues with diabetes, things like that. And there may be other medical reasons why you can't do that. And, I, and I'm trying to be understanding of that. I am. And I would say if there's maybe an opportunity for you to, if you could just miss breakfast in the morning just for that opportunity to do something, you could do that. Or if it's a, a little bit more severe than that and you can't, you physically cannot do it from food. I would still encourage you, there are many different kinds of fasts, but one that I would tell you to do is maybe there's something in your life that you can fast away from. There's a lot of people that would tell you that, I'll be one to say, these devices right here, they're great. It's great to have these cellular devices, but they can also be a major issue that gets in the way between you and your time with the Lord. Because we are constantly being pinged and messaged and all kind of things on our devices. And they suck us in. Maybe it is an opportunity for you to put your device aside and say, you know what, I'm going to put this in my drawer and, and I'm going to come and look at it. Uh, you know, later on this afternoon, the, the volume is on ring. If somebody calls and it's an emergency, they'll get to me. Maybe that's an opportunity you can do that. Some people do it from social media, and, and there's many different creative ways you can do those things. But I would encourage you, seek out the Lord and ask him if there is something in your life that you hold fast to that it may not necessarily be that, that, that it's that important. And it gets in the way between you and your time with God. I would encourage you, fast away from that church. Say, I'm going to put a pause on this. I'm going to get away from this. And I'm going to make it my opportunity to fast. But in, in doing so away from that, I'm going to do this opportunity and come before the Lord in secret and pray to him and, and seek him out for these purposes. Maybe some that I've mentioned to you already. You know, maybe there's uh, some of you that can fast from food. I would say probably the majority of our congregation, we can fast from food for a period of time. Again, not from water. I totally understand that. But we can fast from food. And I want to challenge you, church family, to do something. I want to ask you first, are you fasting? 
You may say, well, Brian, no, I'm not. I I actually have not ever fasted. That's okay. I want to encourage you, though, take the opportunity this week. Take the opportunity this week. Think about these purposes. Think about the things that you've been reading in Scripture throughout your chronological reading plan or or through the study guide that that you receive each week from us. As you've been reading through those and you're soaping through Scripture, maybe the Lord has revealed something to you and you, you want to come before Him and, and, and truly seek Him. Fast away from something for that spiritual purpose. And, and see what God does. See what He may direct you to. You may be burdened for the, for the lostness that's around you. And I want to encourage you, church, if you are burdened about those that are lost around you, that's a really good thing. Stay focused on that. Continually fast and bring those people before God the Father. Pray for them. Encourage them with your words and your actions. Show them the love of Christ. Maybe you have a wayward child or grandchild or maybe there's someone in your life that you just see going on a downward spiral. Bring them before the Lord. Fast before the Lord for those purposes. That right there falls right in line with the concern for His work. For the work that He is doing to redeem creation. Such a beautiful thing that he does for us. I want to encourage you, though, attempt to do that this week. Take the time and set, it, and set it aside for that part of the day at least. Maybe just start out, maybe for your first time if you've never fasted before. Take, just take the morning from the time you wake up until lunchtime. Fast. See what God does during that time. If you, if you feel like you're able to and you want to do a full day, I've seen people do it time and time again, and, and I've even done this before in my, in my time with the Lord. I have, as soon as dinner is over, I have fasted from that time until dinner the next day. And, and I truly just push pause and, and go before the Lord. Now, I don't say that to be like a hypocrite and brag about it. I'm just giving you an example. There are many different ways in which you can do this, but I want to encourage you, take the opportunity, step out, and try it this week. See what happens. Because once you begin to try it and you see what God is doing in and through you during that time and you see that your utter dependence is upon Him, you're going to desire it more. And you're going to build that discipline more. Just like it is with Bible study, with prayer, with worship, with evangelism. It's the same here for fasting. I want to also encourage you folks, whenever you're fasting before the Lord, you're going to have hunger pains. You're going to have headaches. You're going to feel those moments of suffering, if you will, in the time of the fasting. When you feel the hunger pains, pray. When you feel the headache coming, pray. When your mind is just so scrambled and you're thinking about the food that you're not getting, pray. Every single time that you feel those pains, it's a solid reminder for us. I'm going to take a sip of water and Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to bring these requests to you. I'm going to seek your guidance, seek your counsel, seek what you're doing next. Now, I mentioned to you a moment ago that we're going to look at something right here at the end of the sermon from Matthew chapter 4. It's from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And it's this example to us of Jesus when he is tempted by the enemy. And I'm going to read it for you. I'm just going to make a quick comment about some of the verses. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I bet he was. He goes up there and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. 
Verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is tempted. He responds with the word of God. Verse 5, Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on the hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. See, the enemy, being crafty like he thinks he is, is trying to use Scripture against Jesus. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Church family, there's something so beautiful to see about this. Our our perfect example in Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Every single time he was tempted by the enemy, he responds with the word of God. I think that's a good reminder to us, and and I'm not trying to stretch this, but I, I just want to point out a couple of things from that. If he's doing that, Jesus, well, Brian, yeah, he's, he's Jesus. He's fully God. He's fully man. Of course he knows the word of God. Well, as us as followers of Christ Jesus, we are called to study his word and to grow in his word and to be more like Christ every single day, to grow in that sanctification process. So in doing so, we need to be studying the word of God, as we talked about in week one. We must respond when the enemy comes and tempts us with these things. The scripture tells us that the Lord provides the way out every single time. We know the word of God. We're able to respond against the enemy. We also see that that in this Jesus, he's up there and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. And in doing so, in that time that he was there fasting, you have to believe, obviously, because it goes right alongside with it. He was praying before God the Father. He was spending that intimate time with the Lord. We see the example there of fasting. We see the example there of prayer. Obviously there in that as well, we see worship. Jesus is going before the Father to worship him. All of these things tied in there together. Such a beautiful reminder for us just to see that example from our Lord and Savior. And because of what we see him do and what we have seen him do all throughout the Gospels and the finished work at the cross and his resurrection from the grave, just as Pastor Walter talked about last week, we go and we proclaim it and we demonstrate it so that every man, woman, and child within our circle of accountability has repeated multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So church family, I want to ask you, those listening that maybe are not a part of our church family, I want to ask you, if you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you would say that you are a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you, are you you living by these spiritual disciplines? Have you started to make them disciplines in your life? If you haven't, I want to encourage you, start today. I've already challenged you this week. Take the opportunity to, to attempt to fast. See what God does in and through you during that time. I want to encourage you, continue to study the Word of God. 
I want to encourage you, continue to be praying daily. Continue to worship God. Yes, when we gather in our, in our home groups that are coming up. Yes, when we gather at home in our, in our houses with our families and we're worshiping and singing songs. But yes, as we are living our life, proclaiming the good news of Jesus as we're proclaiming it and evangelizing to those that are lost. I want to encourage you, church family. Take the time and start to develop these spiritual disciplines. Again, I told you at the beginning of the sermon, we're gonna, I, I will provide opportunities for you to have copies of this book if you would like to have it that goes even deeper in these subject matters. You'll be able to come alongside with the Word of God and see how these things apply even deeper than what we've been able to do through our sermons and the study guide. I want to encourage you, take the time to do those things. See what God does in and through you during those times. And I want to encourage you, too, if you're listening and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've heard something today, maybe that's like, you said that even though I'm a sinner, he died for me. Like, I need further explanation of what that means. I want to encourage you to do something right now. I want to encourage you to go right there. If you're, if you're listening right now, go to homesavenue.com forward slash contact. If you're watching right now, comment right there on the Facebook page. We have us pastors right now that are able to come alongside and reach out to you and, and see what it is that you need to know more about Jesus and what he's done. Maybe today is a day of salvation for you. And maybe you want to know what it means to, to repent of your sins and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Reach out to us so that we can come alongside of you and help you. At this time, we always, before the worship team comes up and, and sings the last song, we take a moment of quiet, reflective prayer. And I want to do that. I want us to stop and ask the Lord, God, what is it that you're trying to tell me through what has been shared today, through what I've heard through song or what I've heard through the message? And, and then take that step of faith. See what he is leading you to do next. So I'm going to pause for a moment for prayer, and then I'll close us. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity we've had so far today, Lord, to gather in our homes and, and proclaim the name of Christ Jesus and, and, and worship you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open your word and talk about this subject of fasting, Lord, that is something that we could talk about week after week after week. We could do a whole sermon series on it, Lord, but just in this little bit of time, looking at what Jesus tells us to do specifically when it comes to fasting. Lord, I pray for our people. I pray that you would give us the reminder that we need this week. That we would set aside time to come before you and fast. And that we would see exactly how you work in and through us during that time. Lord, I pray that it would encourage us and challenge us to continually build upon this discipline as well as the others that we have talked about. God, I pray that in doing these things, Lord, that your people the saints of Holmes Avenue, Lord, that they would be able to grow deeper and deeper in their understanding of you and their relationship with you. And God, that it would light a fire underneath them, Lord, to come alongside others, proclaim and demonstrate the gospel to those that are lost and come alongside those that need to be discipled and trained up because you've called us, Lord, to make disciples. Lord, I pray that that is our heart's desire and that we do so. Use what has been shared through these weeks of 
of sermons and through study guides and through reading your word and through seeking you in prayer and fasting, in worship, in evangelism, in Bible study. To use it all for your glory, for the kingdom. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.